How many of you relate and need that message of that song today? Amen. That uh, lay your burden down, right? And uh, I, I feel that. I feel that idea of carrying those burdens, carrying those weights, some days more than others. But, man, I feel that today, and I feel the burden of just uh, life and ministry and those things. And I think when you feel that, when you hear a song or when you're singing it, I want to lay my burden down. Sometimes that's easier said than done, really, because you're like, well, God, I want to lay this down. What does that mean? What does that mean? But but it's also so refreshing to, to be able to, to, to think about that. God, we want to give this to you. But how do we do that? And so in light of that, I want to pray for us as we get started today. God, uh, just thank you for your grace, your mercy for us. Thank you for uh, the ability to take those burdens. And God, help us to understand how to do that. How do we, how do we take that and, and transfer that to you? How do we feel those times of refreshment? God, just thank you for this new season that's upcoming, this uh, fall, this, uh, God, where we're reestablishing school and we're coming back to a new season here at church. And, and God, just pray you continue to give us that impact here with people, real people. And, and God, I pray that we would have an impact in the lives of people here in Mason and Middletown, beyond Lebanon and Lakota and, and Monroe and other cities. God, I pray that you would help us to be able to continue to reach out and get the message of the gospel to people. And, and God, there is a burden that comes with that, and yet, Lord, help us to feel those times of refreshing as well. God, we just thank you for the message today. God, help, help change us, help make us more like what you want us to be, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how many of you like the Andy Griffith Show? Raise your hand if you like the Andy Griffith Show. All right. Uh, let's just be honest for a second. How many of you have never watched an episode of the Andy Griffith Show? All right. Anybody? Never watched an episode. <laughs> I, oh, it's sad. I, I, it's a generational thing. I think it's a generational thing. But um, if you've never watched Andy Griffith, you got to watch it. It's I know it's black and white. Uh, don't watch the color episodes; they're no good. Uh, watch the black and white episodes, and and uh, and and just watch this down home show about Andy and Aunt B and Opie and Barney and Otis. I mean, it's a great, wholesome show. It it actually is kind of. Uh, comes from an area of the country where I grew up in North Carolina. And there was this episode where Andy was sitting there talking to Barney, his deputy, and Otis comes in and he's like, Andy, Andy, I have a letter here that says I can receive a great inheritance if I can just prove my worth. And, and, and I don't know if you know much about Otis, but he's the town drunk. And Otis usually is disheveled and because Andy wants to keep him off the street. Uh, he doesn't actually arrest him. He just lets Otis arrest himself. And, and he comes into the jail cell and he, and he shuts the door and he goes in there and he sleeps it off. And then the next day, Aunt B gives him pie. Amen. I mean, so this is the way he deals with life. And, and then he goes out and goes back. So they decided, well, we're going to help him look good. And so they give him a new suit. And Barney in particular is all over this. We're going to get you a haircut. We're going to get you all cleaned up. They bring him in. And Barney now is going to teach him some manners. All right. And, and he's going to teach him how to say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. And he's going to teach him what fork to use. And all this work goes into it just so he can get this inheritance. A couple days later... He's got that new suit on, but he comes in, it's all disheveled again, his hair's all messed up, and he comes in and he just dis despondently just closes that jail cell back on himself, and Barney's like, what happened, what happened? And Otis goes, I just couldn't do it, I just couldn't change, and he goes right back into that jail cell, and uh, I know you guys, but I mean, how many of us in our own lives feel exactly that same way? 
We, we want to make a change, but we're making these outward changes. Uh, we, we maybe change that suit or that hair color or whatever it is, and there's no real change happening on the inside. Here, Otis could have had everything, could have had a better life, but he chose not to change. And I just wonder what keeps us from that. What keeps us from being all that God wants us to be? What keeps us from reaching our maximum potential? Well, today we're going to start a new series in the book of Matthew, and it's on the parables that Jesus told, these parables, these tricky little stories that Jesus tells, that when you first hear it, you think, oh, that's easy to grab a hold of. But it's kind of like soap in the shower where you're not able to grab a hold of it, and you wonder, what does this really mean? It's a deeper meaning. There's something deeper there. What is a parable? When I was a kid, we called them uh, earthly stories with heavenly meanings. That was simple, but uh, that was helpful. But what is a parable? C.H. Dodd said this, a parable is a simile or a metaphor. You guys remember that from English class. And it usually is drawn from everyday life, but the subject of which is in sufficient doubt. Meaning, you don't quite understand it. When you're reading a parable, you go, I I don't really know what this means, but it's an interesting story. And you read the stories in the gospel and you say, oh, that's easy. It's about a man throwing seed on the ground. But, but, but wait a minute, it's not actually about that, it's about a deeper meaning. Warren Wiersbe says, a parable functions in three ways. It's a picture, it's a mirror, and it's a window. It's a picture, meaning it's a simple story. You look at it, read it, say, oh, I get it, I see the picture. But then you read it a little bit deeper and you realize it's a mirror. It reflects back onto your life. You, it shows you some things in your life because Jesus wants to teach you something. And then it's a window where then you are now able to look through that window and make sure that you are giving that message to somebody else. It's a window of opportunity for some changes in your life. That's what a parable is. And so for the next several weeks, we're just going to be looking at these stories of Jesus. And I think that what's going to happen is he's going to reflect some truth in our life. He's going to teach us some things that we need to know. Matthew 13 is the first one, and it's in verse verse 1. And the story goes, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil which when it produced crops a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Now imagine this farmer. It's not a farmer on a tractor. This is a farmer with a pouch. This is old school farmering, if that's the word. And he's throwing out the seed. And as some of it springs up up immediately, some is choked out by the weeds, some hits dry ground and never takes root, and some of it there is fertile soil. And verse 10 of this passage, the disciples ask the obvious question that some of us ask. And it says, the disciples came and asked him, why do you speak to people in parables? And Jesus gives them an explanation that's just about as difficult as the question, which is in verse 11, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. And that's a head scratcher too, because these guys are going, I didn't even get the story. Now I got to understand this, what you're saying. But what he's saying is, look, I'm going to give you a message. It's going to be in parables. And because you follow me, you're going to be able to understand it. 
But other people, they're going to hear the message, the same story that you just heard, and they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand what this is all about. And so Jesus said, but you have ears. I want you to hear these stories. These stories have a deeper meaning because I want to help change you. Now, thankfully, Jesus explains this parable. And he doesn't always do that, but he does do it here. And in verse 18, he says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 100, 60, or 30 times what was sown. So luckily, Jesus tells us the explanation of the parable. And in the parable, he's pointing us to something deeper, some life change. And he's saying the seed is God's word in your life. But the soil is your heart and my heart and your life. And how do you receive the word of God in your life? Are you changed? And the farmer is, of course, God planting the seed. One of the things I want you to notice about all these parables is, yes, the parable is about you, but the primary figure in every parable is what? It's who? It's God. The, the, the star of the story of the prodigal son is not the prodigal son. It's the father. And, the, and the, the star in this story here is not the one who is the seed that's being received in the soil. It's the farmer who's planting the seed in the first place. And so when you think about these parables, it's really a God story that also applies to us. And so Jesus just says, listen up. If you have ears to hear, this story is not just some uh, impractical lesson. This is not just something about agriculture. This story is about your heart. It's a description of your heart. And I'm going to tell you four types of hearts. And by the end, you're going to understand where you are. And to be honest with you, I have found myself in every place far more often than I like to admit. I have been every one of these types of soils, and I find myself going back to them from time to time. First of all, he talks about those who have a hardened heart. This is the person who says, I don't need any change. I I don't have any issues going on in my life. There's nothing I really need to work on. I'm fine right now. I certainly don't need God, and if I am interested in God, uh, I just want him at a distance. This ground is hard. It's not fertile at all. And, And for whatever reason, they've calloused themselves to the word of God. And maybe sometimes they don't see the need, or maybe they do see the need, but for whatever reason, they just have a hardened heart. And, and I realize one of the reasons that happens is because of our own stupid choices. I meet people often who have rejected God and His Word because they have made some decisions that in their mind have driven a wedge between them and God, and so they resist God just because of their own choices. But then there are others who make a decision not because of uh, their choices, but because of other people's choices on them. Some of you grew up in a home where maybe mom and dad were Christians on Sunday, but the rest of the week they were not that way. And you saw just a real inconsistency in their lives, and that created a distance in your heart toward God. Or maybe they treated you some way, or maybe you were hurt by someone in some relationship, or maybe you had a spouse, or currently do, or a former spouse who was so abusive to you that it made your heart hardened against the things of God. So maybe sometimes there is is something against you, someone else's choices that have made it impacted you and you are carrying baggage with you now 
This week we moved Hannah into a house that you see. Uh, she actually is going to go to CCU again. She's like Christian, but they're living in a house and uh, and on campus there at UC. And, and and the house needed some you know cleanup. And and so I thought, well, hey, we're going to take her in. We're going to go in one night. It's going to be great. We're going to be done. And so we went one night this week. We cleaned up. We brought some stuff. We loaded up the truck. We brought it in. All right. And uh, and then what happened the next day? We realized, uh oh, there's more stuff that has to be done. More stuff we have to bring. And so we're bringing more stuff down there, and we're cleaning up more. And, uh, I mean, this is different than those of you who brought your kid to, like, Notre Dame or whatever. It's a, you got to drive there, drop them off. You're like, hey, good luck. You know, we'll see you next year or whatever. This is, like, 30 minutes away. And so then the next night, three nights this week, we go back. It's, like, till 11 o'clock at night. We're cleaning up. And finally the place looks decent or whatever. You know what I learned through all this? She's got a lot of baggage. Amen? You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of baggage. No, she actually did great. I'm just kidding. I owe her money for that. Um, but anyway, so this is what happens because all of us have baggage. All of us bring stuff with us. And maybe that's not even your fault that you have that stuff, but you have stuff in your life. And when you read verse 18 and 19, not only is it bad choices of us or other people, but verse 18, 18 19 said that there are birds who came in and snatched the seed. And, and then he just tells you what the bird is. And he said the bird represents the evil one and then to just let the record show guys i believe in the devil i mean i have been around long around long enough to see what he has done in in the home and in other people's lives and in the church i believe in a literal enemy and i know that it's popular in one wave of christianity today for some leaders to say all oh, the devil doesn't really exist and hell doesn't really exist and all this stuff and i just think when we get to eternity god's going to make it pretty clear the devil exists but in my own life and experience i'm just telling you there is a real god and there is a real enemy that's against him and the Bible says that when he, you have the word, sometimes the devil comes in and tries to steal that word from your life through temptation or through hardship, trouble, or whatever. I just think that happens. I believe that. And so are you hardened? Has the enemy robbed you of some stuff that God has been trying to show you in your life? If you are, then you need to attach to the key word in Matthew 13. It appears 19 times here, and that's the word here. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. Let him be open to the word. Let him be open to what God is teaching. Let him hear with an open heart. It reflects back in an Old Testament passage that was called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you should love him with everything in you, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And guys, I just believe that God is a lot more interested right now in our generation in being heard even than he is being seen. And what I mean by that is one of these days the skies are going to open up and, and the Lord is going to return and every eye will see him. But right now today, he's really interested in you hearing from him. Hearing his word, hearing from his Holy Spirit. This is the direction he wants you to go. And so if you want a soft heart, you have to stop and you have to listen. Just say, God, I don't know much of anything, but I just want to be patient enough to hear your word. The second one he talks about is the shallow heart. This is the person that says, you know, I'm interested in God a little bit. I want some relationship with him. I want the benefits of Christianity, but I don't want, the, I don't want all the, uh, the responsibilities of that. And so they, they want to be connected, but they don't want to be invested. They don't really want kind of the, the, what it really takes. In Matthew 13, down in verse 20 and 21, he describes the shallow heart is a person who says, maybe for the first time, they said yes, but then resistance came. 
And when, as soon as resistance comes, they're like, I'm out of here. They want all the benefits, but they don't want the difficulties. It's like the story about the small country town who had a revival every year. That's back in the church days when they had a, like a preaching for one week. You guys think it's bad for a day. Anyway, it's all week long, you know, and they preached and they like everybody came and there were people who made decisions. And it was awesome. And so this one guy, kind of the scoundrel of the town, he'd come every year at this revival that they had every single year and he would come to the front and he would pray lord fill me lord fill me lord fill me and he would just pray out you know he's such a scoundrel the rest of the year and he'd come back lord fill me lord fill me lord fill me and there's this old woman on the front row who overheard that prayer and while he's praying lord fill me lord fill me lord fill me she's like lord don't fill him anymore he's got leaks you know that leave it leave it to her i don't i don't know but that's kind of like a lot of us i mean we have we have holes. God, I want you to be part of my life, but when difficulty comes, God, I just, and I just, I'm not filled up anymore. And so we live these powerless lives. We need to discover the peace in our hearts. We, we need to discover what it means to wait and be still before God, but we don't. The trouble comes, the, the difficulties of life come, and because of that, we, we, we just say, God, I, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this anymore. It's a shallow heart. Whatever happens, listen, the payoff is worth the pain, but right now you don't see that. And that's what that means, the shallow heart. And then there's the third heart, and that is the one that I think describes most of us. That's the crowded heart. Jesus described it as the seed that hits the ground, grows up, but then thorns come in and grow around it, and they choke out the very life of that plant. And so many of us have that happen today, where the thorns of life, come up and they choke out the life of God in us. They squeeze God out of the picture. And Jesus talks about this, the threats of thorns. He said they're real. And we've all been those places where we've been stuck by a thorn. We've been gardening. We've been pulling weeds. And all of a sudden we get stuck by a thorn and we realize, oh. And, and what happens is those weeds or those thorns, they start to take all the nutrients. They start to get all the attention. It's a whole lot easier to grow a weed than it is to keep a plant. Anybody know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not very good at growing plants. But I am a master at growing weeds. I'm just telling you. I really am. And, and this is the, what happens. What happens is we, we, we put all the emphasis on these other things and they choke out life. Our commitments are, uh, are off. And this is going on far too often. Just, just this week, I, I had a text message back and forth all summer with uh, somebody who kind of attends Acts of Church, has over the years. And uh, I'm not calling him out because I'm not saying his name, but um, he just says, uh, I say, where you guys been? You know, we missed you guys, what happened? He goes, oh, you know, we've been doing this, this supporting event, this, 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 this. And he's like, and the truth is, we started kind of attending over here. We're just going to kind of float around a little bit. And, and I want you guys to know, like, I'm committed to what's happening here at Access Church, but I know, man, the kingdom of God is a whole lot bigger than these four walls. And I just... Instead of the, the casual, oh, you know, hey, well, thanks for your family. Just appreciate you guys being here. You know, and like, hey, if you want to come back ever, we'd love to have you. You know, all this stuff. I just go, hey, listen, why don't you just quit floating? I mean, really, what you're doing is you're setting up a legacy for your family. It's like, hey, what our activities are more important than the Lord. Bottom line. And, and, and what you mean by floating is you're not really going anywhere. I just know this. And so I just said, I don't care where you go, but would you plug in somewhere and actually commit? Now, I don't know if you'll be back or not, but, you know, anyway, it's just text. Just text messages. We, in love. In Christian love, you know. 
your former pastor. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I've had this happen over the years, guys. And, and part of my burden is, and this is just being honest, just being real. Man, I'm just seeing a lack of commitment in sometimes. And that kind of thing, I, I, do, I do feel that. And I feel that for his family. I, I, I do care about that. I care about them. And I mean that. It doesn't matter to me where they go to church, but they would actually commit to it. Be, be dedicated to it. Be devoted to it. See, these are the worries of the life. They come in. A crowded heart is the issue where it says, I've allowed other things to come in on my relationship with God, whether it be baggage, whether it be hardship, or whether it just be the worries of this life. And that's actually what he calls out here. Jesus says later, he says, the, the, these thorns are the worries of life. These are the things that you're worrying about. So what creates that in you? What creates that in you? If we just went around the room today, there'd be hundreds of things that are burdening us, hundreds of things that we worry about, our job, our family, our kids, our spouse, our money, our future, all this stuff we end up worrying about. And what happens is it crowds God out of the picture. It crowds God out of the picture because when you're worrying, what you're really saying is, God, I want to be in control of something, and so I'm going to stay up at night till 2 o'clock in the morning and worry about this because what I'm saying is, God, I can control this better than you can control it. I don't trust you to handle this, God, so I'm going to burden it. I'm going to shoulder it. I'm going to manage it. I'm going to resolve it. I'm going to fix it. And I'm telling you this because I live in this world too much. I live in that idea of, God, I want to lay down that burden, and yet I keep picking it back up. I live in the world of, God, I want to give it to you, and yet I keep taking it back. Does anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Amen. And so I worry. And then he says the second thing is this seeking wealth. And that's the second thorn that Jesus specifically mentions. I'm sure there are others. Jesus said worry can crowd out your heart, so can the pursuit of wealth. We need money, and, and nowhere in the Bible does the Bible condemn that. Money's kind of neutral, but it's how we use it. It's how we view it. It's how it uses me that becomes the problem. So Jesus says watch out for the deceitfulness of wealth. Watch out for when you get to the spot where you're trusting yourself more than trusting God. And watch out when your whole life is dominated by the pursuit of stuff. Because the pursuit of stuff, what happens is it takes our priorities away. I mean, how many of us, so much of our life is focused on, on gaining more and earning more and being more. And all the while, other things are challenged. That's why Jesus said, make sure, make sure you put God first in all things. Trust him with these things. Doesn't mean don't work hard. Stop worrying. Because so much of life becomes about the pursuit of more. And we miss what's most important. So I don't know what it is for you guys, but what Jesus is saying is watch out for the traps. You know your heart. You know where the pitfalls are. You know where the snares are. You know what thorns grab you. Watch your heart so it doesn't become so crowded out, so God doesn't get crowded out. And then Jesus said there's the fertile heart. And this is the one where I hope you are or where you'll get to. This is the seed that fell on the fertile ground. It was cultivated. It was watered. It grew strong roots. And he's talking about spiritual vitality, waiting for the harvest. And that's what God wants for you, to have strong faith roots so that when worries come or when the snares come or when the hardship comes, you'll be able to endure it. You'll be able to stand firm. You'll be like that tree planted by the streams of living water. And whether the storms come or they don't or when they come, you'll be able to be nice and strongly rooted. And a lot of times we don't understand the potential of the harvest. That's the reason we get discouraged. Because it's hard to wait for the harvest. 
There are things that happen in the waiting that cause challenge and difficulty. This year was a good example with our crops out here. They say you want to be knee high by the 4th of July for your corn, right? Well, this year, there were very few corn, very few corn that was knee high by the 4th of July. And you're thinking, oh, no, it's going to be a disaster. And then just a few weeks later, things become a lot hotter and the ground becomes a little more ready. And that rain helps it in some cases provide for this harvest that we're seeing around us. I don't know a lot about farming, but I do know you have to be patient through the ups and downs so that you could see the positive outcome. And what happens is we get so focused on what's happening now, the lack of growth, what seems to be the lack of growth, the lack of germination of the seed, and, and we get discouraged. We say, well, I'm going to focus more on the failure because I've focused on failure in my life. I know what it means to fail, so I'm not going to think about the potential to harvest. I'm going to get stuck on focusing on the here and now. How many of you, your kids, when they were in grade school, they had those little seeds and they came home with a little styrofoam cup with dirt in it. And you're like, what is that? And they're like, this, this is a seed. It's going to be a plant. It's going to be grass. You're like, wow, okay, cool. So they put that in there. In a few days, they come to you like, hey, where? they check it every day. Where's the plant? You're like, just wait. Just wait. Trust me. It's coming. Keep watering it. Keep it in the sun. It's going to be great. And they're like, a couple of days later, where's the grass? It's nowhere. And they're just waiting, waiting. And then finally, about seven days into it, you walk in the room and you just see a pile of dirt on the ground. They finally got so discouraged, they just chucked it out of the cup. You know, like, this is not going to happen. But man, if they would have waited, there's a harvest. There's, the seed is going to germinate. There's going to be life there. But so many times, this is how we look at life. We think about what's not happening. We think about the failure of life. We get discouraged by those things. And we think, well, it's never going to come. That's why the author of The Life You Always Wanted wrote these words. I am disappointed with myself. I'm disappointed not so much with the particular things that I've done as with the aspects of who I've become. I have a nagging sense that not all is as it should be. Let's face it. I can't do it. I failed. I can't change. I've tried to change my personal life, my spiritual life, and my family life, and they all ended up right where they began. And boy, we have been there. And because of that, we say, well, I, I don't know what else to do. I, I, I can't wait on that harvest. I'm focused on the failure. But the Bible says the fields are ripe unto harvest. Scripture promises that there will be these opportunities a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. If you're patient and you can wait through the harvest, that will eventually grow. You will develop. And by the way, there's development that's happening right now that you're not aware of. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. The seed of God's word, when it takes hold in your life, starts to germinate. It changes the unchangeable. When you give your life to Christ, you join that study of the scripture with other people. You're serving with other people. God changes some things in you. And, and, and if you're patient and you're committed to it, you're going to yield. Your family's going to yield. Your generations are going to yield. But you've got to wait for that harvest. So where are you today? What kind of seed, I mean, what kind of soil do you have? Are you the soil that is hardened today, calloused? If that's you, then take heart or take heed to that word in the Scripture, which is the word here. Here. Take some time. To say, God, I just want to hear from you. God, just, just pray. God, allow me just the willingness to hear what you have to say. And those of you who are dealing not with that, but with a shallow kind of soil, and, and you don't like, uh, not only do you not like the hardships of life, you resist them so much that 
you've now begun to blame God or now you've begun to focus on those negative things. And if that's the case, just be still before God for a little while. Hear Him and be still. Take time away from those things of the world that would distract you. Make sure to, to tend to that soil. Make sure to cut out the things that are distracting to you. And if you have that shallow soil, be still before Him. Be, be willing to wait. And if you have that crowded heart where you're so overwhelmed with the worries of this world, can I just challenge you guys to commit? I mean, actually commit to something. And to say, we're in on this thing. We love you, God. We, we do want to read your word on a regular basis. We want to be praying. We want to be with other believers. We want to say yes to opportunities, not no to opportunities. I want to commit because there's so many distractions out there. I want you to know that I'm committed, not because I'm doing something religious or religiously. I'm doing it because I love you. And that's what God wants from us. And so to that end, I'm going to pray for you today that you would have a fertile soil that over this next few months or next couple months as we go through this series that you would be open to hearing from these parables he who has ears let him hear teach us god what you want us to know on the deeper part of our lives so that we can be changed continually changed to be the people you want us to be god we thank you today we love you and we thank you for your word god i pray that you would change us not on the outside not like otis but god change us from the inside out if there are worries, if there are concerns, if there are hardships, God, if there are just baggage that we have, help us release that baggage. Help us to hear from you. Help us to be still before you. Help us to focus and, and not so focus on these worries and cares of the world. God, help us to be still before you and to say, God, I want to I learn from you today. God, help us to learn what you're going to teach us through this series on the parables and God, um, help us to have that fertile soil and help us to be patient because there's going to be a harvest if we don't give up. The Bible says, don't be weary in doing good for in due season you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. We thank you for that word in Jesus' name.